Hello everyone, welcome back to Tea Time with Tea. I'm your host, Teresa. Full disclosure, we are using the C word a lot on this episode. That's confidence, of course. What did you think? Confidence affects the way we work, date, and carry ourselves daily. If you're lacking it or looking to improve it, this one's for you. My guest Joshua Juno walks it, talks it, and lives it. He shares how he developed his confidence and how you can too. Let's get into it. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm super excited about the topic that we're discussing, which is confidence mm-hmm. and the reason why I feel like you are the perfect person for this is because when I first met you on my triplement interview, you walked into the room and it was just like, boom, like this is the most confident person in the whole entire world. Wait, work. Thank you so much. That's such a compliment. But it's like so true. It's so you, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak. And I think a lot of it comes from you being so knowledgeable about so many things. But I want you to kind of like kick it off instead of me like predicting like this is why he's so confident. Definitely. I want you to tell me where did you get your confidence from? Is it from your mama? Like, Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Um, I think it's multiple faceted. You know, I grew up being the youngest of four kids. um, So presence in that kind of chaotic household, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to have it. Uh, I talk very fast and my mind moves so quickly that for me to make sure that my opinion was um, taken in or to make sure that, you know, my uh, voice was heard, I had to be loud. I had to be opinionated. I had to be very um, vocal with what I wanted and why I wanted it. And that, again, I think that's just probably like, again, because of a large family. That being said, I mean, both my parents, you think I'm a strong personality? You should be both my parents. They're individually polar opposites, but such strong personalities. Mom is a talker. She is, she'll befriend a wall if it would nod back. Dad is more of a silent man, but there's power in his paws. Like when he's not talking, you know why he's not saying something. But when he is talking, you listen to it. So, you know, there's such beauty and grace in both. And I try to, I think I've definitely adapted both styles, um, both in communication and just the way that I hold myself. Yeah. And I think you're a very good communicator. I appreciate that. You really are. You're very clear, very direct. And that's something that I'm working on um, because I could be exactly like your mom and talk to a wall if I wanted to. (laughs) Um, And then it's just like, like you said, your dad is like this person who like there's power behind his words, but he doesn't need to talk a mile an hour or like say too much to get his point across. Exactly. Okay, so... Being the youngest of four, I'm also the youngest of four. Oh, work. How many brothers and sisters? I have one sister and two older brothers. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, you're not the youngest. I am the youngest. Oh. So one older sister and two oh older brothers. God. I said older brothers, right? Yeah, you said older brothers, but you didn't say older sister. So I was like, wait, is the sister younger or older? I was like, she's just automatically older. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so for me, I think, so... I don't know how much you read into zodiac signs. 
I know enough about mine because that's the very Aries thing of me to just very focus on myself, but yeah. I don't know much outside of like other signs that aren't me. So this is why I bring it up. I think I was born with a hint of confidence. Right. But then it's like also the same thing of just kind of, okay, my parents are always listening to them. They're older than me, so their their opinions matter more. So I felt like I need to like keep packing with a punch and like get my point across. Yeah. So I think it came with just like, okay, you're older than me, but like my opinion matters and I'm going to say it and I don't care how tiny or young I am, right. I'm going to get it across. You're like, you're going to hear me. Roar, <laughs> Katy Perry. I get it. No, I mean, I definitely think that being the younger one, you definitely have, you're challenged a lot more because, you know, you do, there's an expectation that I think everyone thinks all younger siblings have is like they got catered to, they were like the the favorite and like, though, let's not get it twisted. I'm definitely my parents' favorite. I by no means was catered to, but because my brothers and sisters were just old enough, older than me that like I was cool enough to hang out with, but also like outside of their friend group. So I wasn't always invited to things. I did also build up that individuality in like a very close home, like close knit home. Um, there's four and a half years between me and all um, me, my sister, my sister and my brother. And then I have a half older brother who's I think 10 years older than us. Um, and all that being said, you know, with this many people who are within a similar age rank, you know, we're all going through the same life challenges around the same ish time. So I think it gave my parents a lot of time to prepare be like, okay, well, if Daniel just went through this, give it 10 more months and Josh is going to be going through the same thing. But it was funny because I remember me and my brother for like a whole month are the same age every year. And I like never let him forget that. So even though he's my older brother for one month of the year, I was always like, we're actually the same age. You're not older than me. And so I'm actually not going to listen to what you're saying. And I was like that child at a young, young age. Um, I was also just a very emboldened kid, I think. I remember this one time, I, and I don't necessarily, I remember it happening, but my mom won't let me forget it, that there was this one time whenever I was a kid, um, and this kind of goes back to confidence and like body language and the way that you see things and perception versus reality. And I think I was like three years old at the time, and I was in the living room playing. All my toys were scattered about. My dad's like laying on the couch, kind of dozing off. I'm obviously done. I've been playing around, made a mess, and I was like, deuces, I'm out. Dad will clean it up. So my dad's like, where are you going? Whenever I'm walking away, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. It's time for me to go. And he was like, okay, you're going to pick up your mess? I was like, no. He was like, Joshua Juno, clean this up right now. I was like, mm-mm. And then he was like, boy, you better watch your mouth. And at that point, I looked down and I realized, like, I, this three-year-old child, am looking down at my father who's laying on the couch. So I'm taller than him. And I perceived taller as more mature. So I looked right back at him and I was like, I can't see my mouth. And then my dad stood up like, what? A little bit like gooped because he did not expect me to say something like that. And the second he stood up, I was like, oh wait, I am shorter. I am the smaller one. Oh my gosh, power move. I need to clean up. So I hustle and bustle, clean everything up and I dip out. So like, it's funny because like there's just so many identifiers at a young age and when you're growing up that like you do challenge the system a certain time. Me with my brother being the same age, my dad whenever he was shorter than me. But those are just, I think also small moments where you like, you start building those weird moments of confidence where you're like, I'm allowed to be who I am and I'm empowered by it. And then there's other moments where you're like, never mind JK yeah wait I really like where this is going though in terms of even you saying like being three years old and you standing up at the moment and knowing that your dad was like laying down on the couch and just having in your head well I'm taller so I'm right and I'm just gonna go with what I want to say at the moment even now I find it when you're in a room of Let's just say successful people, they're dressed apart. Right. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you might have been surrounded by people who are 
smarter than you or that dresses better than you, which no one dresses better than Joshua Juno. <laughs> she says that today after she didn't tell me that I was going to be on camera. So I was like <laughs> bumming it. Um, no, I think that's a great question, Teresa. You know, I think that, like I said earlier, there's perception and there's reality. And I think that confidence is something that's often misspoken for. Being the most confident one in the room doesn't mean being the smartest in the room. It doesn't mean being the tallest in the room. It doesn't mean being the most prepared. It, I believe confidence is really just being one, authentically you and being comfortable with that. And then also the second comfort in finding in confidence is being comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, that's something that you're not really taught a lot in school. Uh, I was very lucky that I did theater growing up. And so that they really do teach that is that there's a bit of uncomfortability you'll always have in every part of your life, whether you feel like you're not the smartest one in the room, like you said, or you feel like maybe you're not the, you don't have the most uh, sales transaction history in the room. So you feel um, less important to speak your mind on a topic that maybe you do have an opinion on, but because you don't have the sales history to back it, you feel like maybe I shouldn't speak out, you know? I think that it's I think it's okay as long as you believe it and you fully, you know, depict the fact that this is your opinion, this is holistically what you believe and you are genuine in it. I think people respect that more than anything. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing the biggest thing about confidence that I find is that confidence is found in body language, in the way that you hold yourself, in the way that you speak, and then lastly just in how okay you are with just being yourself. And if you can control those three things which you have complete control over, you can be the person who has the you know, like the lowest IQ who may have the uh, maybe the shortest one in the room, but in the end of the day, like as long as you walk in and you feel validated in who you are and what you believe, speak your mind. People yeah. want to hear it. I love that. How like how did you get there? I know a lot of it is like again going back to your mom and dad being the two different characters that yeah. they are and taking a lot from that and like being the youngest in your family and having to like okay pack a punch with everything that you're saying. But even, you know, as you grow up, you encounter like all these different challenges and situations in like middle school and high school. And I've been fortunate, like not to have to go through too many crazy right. changes or things like that. But a lot of people do. Have you ever encountered anything in your life in particular? Or did you always have like this level of like... I'm the man. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a great question. I think that to say that I've always been confident in, in any situation, in every given situation, would be like a, a huge uh, disservice to anyone listening right now. You know, I grew up in a very, like, conservative-ish. Uh, you would think it was very liberally, like, accepted, but it's not. It was very conservative Bible Belt city in Florida um, in the panhandle where, you know, religion and the idea of ideology behind religion is very much like a backbone to how people act or how people perceive one another which is kind of just i i get but i also i i, I don't think i'll ever really understand um and so growing up you know as a younger gay man and like having to really accept the fact of you know puberty makes you a boy to a man and like that's an awkward change you have to go through and then on top of that also accepting you know yourself as a gay person in a city where like they don't want you to be gay and they don't believe people should be gay you know there's so many battles that i had to face and it kind of came down to the fact of if i believe myself to be a, a good person and i know that in the end of the day i'm not one part whole i'm i'm multifaceted there's so many different parts about me that if you see me as one part whole one part gay man, one part this, one part that, you just don't know me then. So a big portion of what I had to do is I had to strip away the layers that made me feel uncomfortable 
and acknowledge them for what they were, which is that this is just how people will perceive me. But as long as it's not my reality, eventually people will stop seeing it as their reality. So I think that, you know, no, I think that the reason why I'm as confident as I am is because I was picked on so much. I was challenged so much. Um, you know, I, I moved at a young age from Louisiana to Florida and I didn't have any friends anymore. So I had to make all new friends again. And it came down to the fact that people are always going to write you off for something. There will be something that somebody doesn't like about you, but that's okay. Let them see the 70 part or let them see that person percentage of what you are and who you are that you love about yourself and people will learn to adapt to loving that as well and if they don't they just also don't have to be your friend you know you don't have to people please everyone your whole life so uh, I think to answer your question it would be that confidence isn't something that you're born with it's not something that you'll always have it's something that you're gonna have to continue to work with and work on but that's gonna come from humility in yourself it's gonna come from appreciation in who you are and it's gonna become from being like just authentically you in a room no matter what happens you know that you are yourself and if you can make peace with that people will make peace with it yeah and I think it's like to even like just sum that up more is just like just knowing yourself. Yeah. Like you just fully have to know yourself to kind of like know when to say yes, when to say no, um, when to roll with the punches, when to like take people's opinion into consideration. Yeah. For sure. um, because people are always going to have opinions. They're always going to say what they want to say. But also that's like a fun fact knowing that you're from Louisiana. Yeah. That was just like... Yeah, from Louisiana. I <laughs> like grew up in Slidell right outside of New what? Orleans. Uh, moved to from Louisiana to Florida whenever I was in fourth grade. And it was funny because uh, there were so many things in Louisiana that people did that were so normal. For instance, I don't know why. And I like think about this all the time. Jump roping was like a pretty competitive sport in Louisiana. Really? Like we had a jump rope team. Like I was on a jump rope team. And whenever I moved to fourth grade, uh, sorry, to Florida in fourth grade, everyone at the park, all the boys were out on the soft, uh, softball field playing kickball. All, a lot of the girls, and I'm not here to do gender norms. This is just reality. This is literally what it was like. All, a lot of the girls were over playing on like the jungle gym area. And then there was me and like a bunch of girls who were always just like with the jump ropes, doing like speed ropes and just like doing fun little things. And one of the gym teachers, uh, cause there's three of them, one of the gym teachers who was, uh, she came up to me and she was like, you're really good at jump rope. I was like, thanks. Yeah, I, like, I did jump rope competitively back in Louisiana. And she was like, well, we actually teach jump rope here in Florida. Like, it's like, oh, we do a two-week on it. Do you know how to do double dutch? I was like, obviously. Double dutch is just basically you do, it's two long jump ropes at once that two people hold, and then you're in the middle doing two jump ropes at once. Um, And I was like, obviously. And then she was like, would you mind teaching it to the fifth graders? And at that point, I was like so unaware that people would think it would even be weird for me being a boy in fourth grade teaching fifth graders how to jump rope that I was so unaware of how not normal it was in Florida to to do jump rope. (laughs) I was like, absolutely, love to do it. So like I got out of class, went and taught the fifth graders during gym. I taught two gym classes at, and everyone at first was super weird. They were like, I had to introduce myself. They were like, why is this fourth grader teaching us something? I was teaching them how to do jump rope. It was a bunch of like guys on like the football team who were like, why is this boy over here doing jump rope and blah, blah, blah. And at first I was like, oh, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Like they don't do jump roping at all here. Like it's not a normal thing, but we're mm-hmm. teaching it obviously, but it's not like a competitive sport here. Like it is football or baseball or soccer or track. And so 
at first, in the very beginning, I was like a little stressed because I was like, oh my God, what did you just sign yourself up for? But then the longer I kind of sat there and waited, so many people were so into it. And I taught some people how to do something that they didn't know how to do. It was uncomfortable for them. And at first I was like, oh, they're judging me because they think that I'm gay or because they think that this is stupid for me to do or it was like effeminate for me to know how to jump rope or whatever their perception was. And then I realized they were actually just nervous themselves that they were about to do something that they weren't going to be good at doing. Yeah. And they watched me do it. And at first I they thought that I was going to be like, maybe like rude about it. But then like the longer I was in, I was like, no, you got the right energy. You just need to do this. You're coming at the wrong time. We need to time it. Or here's some tips and tricks. And then eventually everyone was doing double dutch. Not like everyone, but mostly everyone was doing double dutch. And we were all in an uncomfortable situation together. But we found comfort in that. And that's when I like realized I was like, oh, people definitely wrote me off. People definitely thought something bad about me. But at the end of the day, I met a lot of really cool people. And I did make new fifth grade friends. Mm -hmm. And so it was like one of those moments where you're like, it's weird, but it's fine. And you know, you just got to embrace that moment of like, if somebody's judging you, they probably are also avoiding either judging themselves or they are judging themselves and then putting that on you. Yeah. So it's like, you just can't take it, can't take it to heart. So clearly you were a leader since day one, first <laughs> of all, crazy. Um, but again, taking the opportunity where you could have like just been like a shy kid and okay man like maybe at the moment you didn't know what you were getting into but even if you were fully aware of the situation you could have just been like all right like i'm just gonna keep my skills to myself i'm not gonna teach anyone anything and just keep this in my back pocket and don't have to deal with the stress or even when you were teaching it you could have walked away from it if you felt like super uncomfortable but i think a lot of it was like owning what you were teaching and sticking to it which says a lot about you and even now being a manager at triplement and having like so many agents that you're training and that you're teaching constantly do you ever have a moment where because real estate is always changing there's always something new coming up there's crazy scenarios that we encounter every single day is there ever a moment where you feel in front of the team that, okay, wait, I feel uncomfortable about the situation. I don't really want to talk about it and like had to push through. Did that question make sense? Yeah, to no, you? definitely. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, coming to a manager role, you know, I've been an agent for eight years now and I, as of two and a half years, three years now, almost two and a half years, I've been a manager here at TripleMet. Um, a lot of what I did um, as an agent, I didn't think managers, like I've, I've always worked with managers, but I never really knew what they did. Like I didn't understand like the whole part of their journey. I understood that they were here for mentoring, education and questions, but I didn't realize like how much more their the responsibilities like would entail. Um, I'm, I'm not like, I'm really good at confrontation whenever I plan it. I don't like confrontation when I don't know about it. Um, and not for any reason other than like, I don't really like hurting people's feelings. I really don't. Uh, I'm very matter of fact, I know how to speak to people as a matter of fact, without being super emotional about it. But I also am very much a people pleaser where like, I don't like people getting their feelings hurt. Um, I don't like people feeling like they're less than. And whenever I feel like I'm the reason why they feel that, it makes me super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, I, uh, one of my biggest things when coming to this manager role was lead by example. You know, we are in a constantly changing market. We are in a constantly changing um, environment where, you know, things, what we learned last year may not be relevant this year. Things that we thought we knew last year may not actually make sense this year. And that's all okay. And if I'm asked a question that I don't know the answer to, or if I'm in a moment where I've never done it before, I just take myself, step back and say, at one point, you didn't know anything that you knew up until this point, And you figured it, you figured it out and you learned it. 
and now we teach it. So it's kind of like one of those moments where you're like, you just have to humbly walk into those moments and be like, say exactly what it is. I'm going to be very honest with you flat out. I feel very uncomfortable doing this, but I want you to know that the reason why I'm doing this is for the benefit of you. This is a conversation that needs to be had. Here's the purpose of why we're going to have this conversation. And hopefully we're going to find a really great outcome from it. Like mm-hmm. I try to lay my cards on the table because I don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation where I feel uncomfortable because it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Energy is transferable. And if I know you're uncomfortable, I'm going to want to try to absolve that and make you feel more comfortable. But if I feel uncomfortable, I will make you feel uncomfortable. So it's kind of just like having to really like lay your cards out and own everything that's happening. And I think that's kind of where I found myself as like a very like level-headed person where it's it's easy easy to get emotional about things regarding housing or your home, your relationships, and your job. And I work at a job where a lot of what we do is for the home. Mm-hmm. So it's like two things in my life are even more emotional. But again, just taking a second back to be like, you know, is this as big of stakes as I've made it and if not maybe make it more digestible instead of a big concept make it very individual small concepts and then from there kind of come out with some way to fix or solution for that problem and instead of looking at the problem on whole really break it down and by doing so you know it makes things less awkward it makes things more comfortable and uh, I think that's kind of why any time I've had to do something that I didn't either expect to have to do or didn't plan for having to do, and it comes face to face with those moments, instead of like shying away from it or knowing that my immediate thing is like shut down because I don't like confrontations like that, it's just ride it more than I ever would before, which is like really take advantage of the situation, let you know where we stand, be very clear in communicating what I mean, and then inevitably trying to find solutions for something. Yeah. So just being like overall more solution driven than anything else instead of like backing away or walking away from the problem. 100%. Problems are so easy to identify. That doesn't, no one benefits by being the person who can identify a problem. If you can only identify the problem, what did you bring to the table? You brought the fact of eyes or knowledge or insight, which is awesome. But if we don't have a solution for it, then the problem will always stay a problem. So like I try not to approach any aspect of my life with just like, this is the problem, who's going to fix it? But like, here's a problem. This is what I think we could do to, to to kind of like encapsulate some sort of solution or some sort of method of how we can like move forward. And in doing so, you know, you feel more calm about the problem just by doing that. Exactly. Like, let's like break it down one step at a time and get into it. And I think part of, um, you know, going back to confidence and real estate and success and like how it all ties into each other again again we deal with so many different challenges so many different situations as agents and i think one of the things that came up this week in our rental accountability was the way that you talk the way that you answer um certain scenarios in certain situations and i was like shocked with my answer from the beginning of the year versus like how I'm responding now and I think so I'll give the example which it was um how do you respond to a client who found an apartment and already like applied for, applied it. for it and my response was like very it was very short like okay cool I'll circle back then and see how that went versus now and I think it, it had a lot to do with I guess perfect training Basically, it's just like practicing the right thing and um, just challenging myself to to speak more clearly and 
come up with a better answer, a better solution. But I think a lot of that came from getting more comfortable working in the industry. Yeah. Whereas in the beginning of the year, I wasn't like seasoned. I'm still not very seasoned. I'm lightly seasoned now. <laughs> but it, I... I think it just showed like I could have just responded exactly the same way that I did before. And now getting more comfortable and learning the business is making me feel more confident in my answers and what I'm doing. And I'm not second guessing it when I'm putting it out there now. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people and what we do is we always go for the easy thing. Like a lot of people, we're very reactive. We're not very pragmatic uh, or proactive about how we communicate. We're very much just like, this is what they said, so I'm going to respond quickly back with this. And a lot of what you miss from what you respond with is why you're saying what you're saying. And I think that sometimes it's better to take, instead of drafting up a quick text message back like you did in the first time, where the, the renter at hand basically said, I have an application currently pending, no need for your service, thank you so much. And instead of just responding back with like, you know, thank you so much for letting me know. Uh, I'll come back just to check in. But responding with letting them know, like, congratulations on, you know, your application. The You should expect to hear back within 24 to 48 hours. Keeping in mind, you know, that not all applications go through. I do still, however, have two really awesome apartments I would love to show you, even if they're just a backup to you. Um, that would be awesome. I think that we could go take a look at today at 2 p.m. You know, giving a what, giving a why, but offering up a solution. You know, not everything is going to yield the result you think it does. And so I think just taking a little bit more time to, if you're going to shoot your shot, be very, very clear on your intent on why you're shooting it. Instead of just shooting your shot and be like, okay, sounds good. Why? You had them. They're going to read that message back because they know that you're going to respond. So instead of being quick to respond and be like deflating, be like, okay, sounds good, which is like going to shut down the whole process of you even having a good relationship with this client in the future, take a little bit more time to be relationally focused, which is the job we do and say, you know what? That's awesome. Congratulations. I'm in the industry of finding people home. So whether it be me or somebody else who found it for you, I'm excited you did find an apartment. Something to keep in mind, typically apartments take 24 to 48 hours to be approved on, um, upon which not every application is going to be approved. So just offering up a little bit of your insight that you would have offered them, had they did, had that application been with you, you would have done it. You know. So being a little bit more clear on your intent versus just being reactive and just like saying something like that you don't even really mean, you're just saying it because you need to respond. So again, I think that the best thing you can, that's just not in real estate, that's in anything you do. And text message from your friends and making plans with your family and even like just responding to like a, a phone call with a person who didn't even mean to call you. You know, Take a little bit more time to just respond. We're all human, we want the connection. We, we're here for the human experience, which is a connection with one another. And so if that's why we're here, take time to actually be present in that moment versus being distracted by all of this stimulus and then going towards this or this instead. Take time in that moment to just quickly actually do what you mean to do and then once that moment is done and you feel good about what you did then move on to the next thing but don't be so adhd with like okay there's this and this and this and then never having that one moment to just be like i really stood present in this moment you like literally took the words out of my mouth it's like it's not just for real estate this literally applies to like real life your business like whatever it is that you're doing um it's like exactly what you just said Actually, I wanted to say, but Josh like read my mind. I actually have her like, note cards in front of me, and I read her <laughs> note cards, so that was plagiarism at best. My fault. But it's like well said. It does not only relate to this industry; it relates to every single thing that we're doing in life. And circling back now, what would be your advice, whether it's for someone um, getting into the real estate industry, or again, any aspect in terms of a new career i know for myself 
I worked at the same company for over eight years doing the same thing and it was a huge challenge for me to get out of my comfort zone and like literally be real with myself and say I don't want to do this job anymore I'm not happy at it and I'm going to focus or at least try to find something that I love doing and just go for it whether I'm good at it or not I'm gonna figure it out yeah um what would be your advice to someone who is like in a similar situation or again transition into something new and need that boost of confidence to like get going yeah i think that's a great question you know it's hard to speak on every person's experience and you know how does one make a change in their life and what's the best route to go but i do believe that one of the best things that we as all as every human being one one quality trait that we all have is the ability to adapt. We've been doing it our entire lives. You know, at one part, something was new to you that you never did before, and you figured it out. Walking, riding a bike, learning to write, speaking, whether learning to pick up a foreign language, um, what you like and what you don't like in food, trying new experiences. Like, every bit of you has this adaptability to to do something different. And I think it's just that moaning, 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 <laughs> that moment of owning it and knowing that if you spend eight years in a career that doesn't make you happy and you're looking to make a shift, write down what it is that makes you unhappy and write down the things that what it is that makes you happy. You know, in coming in real estate, I didn't start my real estate career in real estate. I started my real estate career whenever I was working as a server at a restaurant at Harry T's in uh, Destin, Florida. I started parts of my real estate career whenever I was a phone waiter at EJ's on 73rd and 3rd at this Upper East Side little diner area. I started my real estate career whenever I worked in fashion and I was just doing sales on floor for Mulberry or whenever I was doing styling for a TV show um, on VH1 called Model Employee. Like There's been different aspects of my life where I've done so many different things and each time I did them, I took something that I really loved from that job and I brought it into the next career and whatever I chose to do I knew that I could bring parts of my process into the next thing I do and there are certain things I didn't enjoy doing in those aspects that I wanted to either not do again or have a system or some sort of infrastructure set where I didn't have to do that again so being very clear on what it is you do and don't like and don't think of it you have to write it down because the way the brain works is once you create that synapsis of writing it down when you write something down it creates a brain synapsis to that information so you're immediately creating that that concept of this is an intent and this is the easy access to that information on intent. Once it is tangible, it is in front of you and you see it, it's easier to now not have that floating around your head and creating anxiety or creating like what if situations, but you've seen it, you've looked at it, you acknowledge it, and then you just process it. Once you can process it and really move forward, make things quantifiable. Set your goals. Not, I want to make $180,000 this year. Not, I want to be a successful real estate agent. Make quantifiable goals for yourself. A quantifiable goal is there's got to be a trajectory of where you're at now and where you want to go. What are the big goals you want to have and what are the small goals you're going to do in order to get there? You know, it's it's in these moments of really just rationalizing what it is you want that I think brings ease to what you do. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, no matter what job you have, you're going to be really awkward for the first learning curve of however long it takes you to have that learning curve at the job but guess what they always say fake it till you make it and that's so real is that no one is going to know that you don't know something or if you do know something or think of how good you are unless they have time to really be your boss sit down and look at everything you're doing most of the time we see people in passing at our jobs so if you don't understand something or you don't uh, understand how to do things correctly ask somebody no one's going to sit here and be like how dare you ask that's a dumb question if they do ask 
on them, but I'm probably sure they're still going to answer. You know, take time to lean into your peers, lean into your resources, um, talk with people about things out loud. Once you say it out loud, it's out of your brain. You've rationalized it, you've processed it. That's where you're going to have that success that you're looking for. Um, you know, it's don't take things too seriously because no matter how serious it is, at when you get into the job and when you get into that minutia of like, this is what I do, this is how I do it, you're going to look back at yourself four years ago whenever you were unhappy at that last job, whenever you made that switch into the career that you maybe idolized or thought, I want to try and give it a go. And you're going to be like, glad I did it. Just like mm -hmm. glad I did it. And even if it wasn't glad I did it because I found success, glad I did it because I had a new experience that shaped me into a new person and a better person for who I am today. So like nothing that happens in your life is going to be a mistake. It's always going to happen because you were supposed to learn from it. So just take those moments and lean into it. There is something that you just said that... Um, <laughs> you heard all of that? Yeah, I heard all of it. I got all of it. There You're going like, to have to slow that down and like slow it down three like... <laughs> you, like, so can no one will have to like 2x to listen to this it's just like it's already at 2x right my fault <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that you said in terms of um reaching out to people asking for help if you don't know something like just reach out i'm a big believer on that and i'm a big believer with surrounding yourself with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and putting yourself in the field that you want to be in and that's why i kind of like i dabble in a lot of different things and um some people might be like okay you're crazy you do all these different things but at the end of the day i'm like having fun i'm enjoying the process and i'm learning as i'm going and i'm not afraid to be the person who like sits here and say like I don't understand this can you explain it to me on the other hand there are people who are out there who might need a little bit more of a push a little bit more of a guidance and they don't reach out and they don't ask for help so what would you say to encourage that person who's trying to get from point a to point b to like it's okay to ask for help like what would you say to them i'm gonna say the one thing i said to everyone which is have humility your ego is what's stopping you from the next step there have been so many times where i'm such a do-it-yourself kind of guy like i i'm i always want to do things myself i will ask my friends and family for guidance but like i like knowing that i have a lot of control in my life and because of that, I try to do things on my own. That being said, there have been so many moments in this job that I have now, in moving to New York City for the first time, and you know, going into real estate where I had worries, I had fears, I had apprehensions, and me processing them on my own only got me so far. And I realized that if I don't ask, I'm the reason why I don't know. Or if I don't, if I don't challenge myself, I'm not gonna change myself. So in the end of the day, swallow that pill that's called ego, have a bit of humility and understand that at some point, somebody else probably asked that same question. You're not the first to ask any question. Somebody else has already asked it. Your fear is that if you ask it, you will sound maybe, I don't know, maybe you might feel like you'll sound inferior or you might sound like you, you're you going to put off the fact that you don't know what you're doing and then people will like suss you out for being a phony or like whatever the situation may be. But at the end of the day, what, it doesn't matter. Does it really matter if people see you as something less than if you're going to learn and grow from that moment of what you didn't know? No, it doesn't. So if one person sees you as a phony because you asked a question or sees you as maybe uneducated because you asked a very simple question that should have made common sense to you, who cares? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter. It's in the end of the day, people, I don't remember any question that an agent asked me last week. I don't. I remember that I had a lot of questions asked and a lot of them were Great question. Some of them seemed pretty straightforward. That I thought people might just be able to answer themselves. But then I'm happy to answer it. 
because at one point in my career, I wish I had a person who was there for me and I did have a person who was there for me to answer those questions. So if I didn't know it and I had the question and I asked and somebody gave me that answer, why would I not return that favor? Why would I not put back out that energy that was provided to me? So again, I think the best thing you can do for yourself in any uncomfortable situation, ask for help, know what you want and be specific on your intent. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And I think that alone, if again going back to like someone who don't have um i'm trying to think of the word without using confidence again but it was like basically it's like you're not a less confident person by not asking but you'll yeah. be a more confident person if you do ask yeah and like put yourself out there a hundred percent yeah hundred okay. percent it's confidence we kind of said in the very beginning confidence is just being self-aware that's really what it is confidence mm-hmm. is being self-aware it's being authentic and it's just being present those are the three things that being uh, being confident is. It's also accepting the fact, again, and I said this earlier and I'll say it a thousand times over, it's being comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, something that really helped me become confident, or maybe as confident as I am today, also that I really haven't plugged yet, which I'm going to say right now to anyone, no matter what job you're going to business, finance, fashion, um, accounting, like I anything, I, you could do any job no matter what it is. At some point, if you haven't done it before, take a theater class. Take a, it doesn't have to be theater. It could be theater. It could be debate. It could be um, forensics. Like, take some sort of performative-based um, class because that's where you learn who you are and that's where it's going to, it's really going to sh- um, stretch you as a person. Because what theater taught me is I, talk, I took improv for four years um, in high school and, you know, I learned what it's like to be on the cuff and like having to do things on the fly and just answer things even when you don't know where this, where the, the storyline may be going or where you don't know where the narrative is supposed to go. You know, I've made mistakes and I made a joke that I thought was funny that wasn't funny, didn't land, and I swallowed that pride of being like, no worries, not a big deal, one joke didn't land, don't really care. I've been in a situation where I had to uh, take on being a character who's not myself, but finding, instead of trying to be that person, I think Meryl Streep said this, uh, the quote I'm going to completely mess up, but it's along the lines of um, acting is not finding out who a person is and taking on that persona. It's finding similarities in that person that you have with yourself and being that. And that's when people see people as really great actors. And I think that that's the same kind of empathy that we look for in any business that you do. Being aware of why other people may be doing what they're doing or looking into, uh, you know, communicating effectively to a person who may have a different form of communication. You know, I learned so many different skill sets by doing theater. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to do something. Um, even if theater you think won't play a part in your life, you know, um, a lot of uh, people who are in uh, politics, they did theater, you know. Standing up, being able to speak on what you what you think and what you believe, posture, how you hold yourself, where you speak from, um, how you say things, how you convey a point. I, all learned, I learned all that through theater. So I'm going to say that if you've never taken a theater class or how old you are, sign up for an improv class. Why not? It's going to be weird. You're going to feel like this is so unlike you and you might like really fail a lot, but you're going to be putting yourself out there in such a great way to stretch yourself, stretch your narrative and stretch your, uh, your growth that like good things will come. Absolutely. I love that. And to piggyback off of that, I would also recommend a dancing class as well. Yeah. Especially like, so I am not a great dancer, but I love dancing. I know it's bizarre, but I literally put myself into dancing classes because I'm like, it's just fun and it gives you so much energy. But again, it's like putting yourself out there and doing something that you're not fully comfortable with. Yeah. But 
it's so enjoyable at the end of the day and you gain so much from like doing the things that make you uncomfortable to be very honest yeah no i'm a huge advocate for dance as well i did dance in college i did ballet jazz modern um, i did a bunch of classes i'm not a dancer i did gymnastics growing up so like i know how to tumble so i was like aware of body like body language I was about to say i was aware uh hyper aware of like my physicality and like what I could do and what I couldn't do. And it was a stretch being in a class and dancing with a bunch of people who are in college for dance or going and doing classes where like, you know, you could be in there with like people at every level. But at the end of the day, again, it's a humility thing. It's like putting yourself out there to know that it doesn't matter how good you are. It's how much effort you put into it. And if you feel confident in the fact that though you might not have the most um, flexibility or you might not have picked up things as quickly as you could have, just being confident in the fact that you reacted in a way that was like you could be proud of that's why we do the things that we do that's why we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations so instead of feeling weird assume that if you walk into any situation and you feel weird look around the room there's going to be somebody else in there who's going to feel just as uncomfortable as you do but you may not see it because their body language could be putting out this false positive of i'm happy in this room i'm good my shoulders are set back i'm sitting high my chin is up but they could be more nervous than you are so you know don't assume that because you see somebody the way that they look is that they don't have that same fear. Something that I think is really cool that I want to throw in here also is uh, another concept of fake till you make it. Um, the power of a smile. And I always talk about this in class. Smile when you say things. Even if you don't really mean to smile, your brain, it releases dopamine, serotonin, and adrenaline. Adrenaline? There's a third one. I don't really remember what it is. Um, each time that you smile, your brain, whether it's a real smile, a genuine happy smile, or if it's a fake smile that you're just putting on just for the sake of smiling, it reduces anxiety. It lowers blood um, pressure. You know, there are so many benefits to smiling that it, it's science. And so whenever you're in a room and you feel a little not at ease mm -hmm. and you feel a little stressed, take a second, catch your breath, smile, make eye contact with everyone. Look at everyone in the room when you talk. Don't look at one person. Make eye contact with, at some point in a room when you're giving a speech or whenever you're at a, a situation. You should have made eye contact with each person in the room. They should have felt that connection with you because that's when people really feel comfortable being around you. And so, you know, I'm a huge advocate for smile in a weird situation. Put yourself out there and don't feel uncomfortable because when you feel uncomfortable, your body's gonna continue to have reactive states physically, vocally, even um, with your breathing, that it's going to make you, it's going to just make you worse. So like, take a second, smile. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm like, but also don't do that like creepy smile in the corner. Of... Oh my God, yeah, no. Also <laughs> work on your smile. So sit in front of a mirror for 10 to minutes a day and just smile at yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it 10 minutes. But you should smile at yourself and look at what your smile you is like. You really should. I do have something that says in the morning, um, start your start your day with a smile and end it with laughter. And I am that person that wakes up in the morning and I'm like, today is going to be a good day. Yeah. And I have a, like a good day, like almost every day. Yeah. You know, of course I'm human. Things right. happen. Like even if your day starts off amazing, like there are things that can happen. But I think once you um, get into the mindset of just telling yourself today is going to be a good day and you're going to do great things, it kind of just follows you. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I, I think that there's something so important to know is that Every time I get like upset with shit happening in my life or if like bad things are happening and it just seems to be like it's raining um, and like it just keeps getting more and more torrential. I read this one quote and it was like, if you could put all the world's problems into a bag and draw at random just a couple of those problems, you'd be very lucky to draw your own. And I do believe that a lot of what happens to you, whether you look at things as God or life or power or divine being, whatever it is, you know, 
the path that you're on is the path you're supposed to go and the bad things that happen to you and how you react to them and what's going to happen and never are saying that it's justified and that bad things when they're really really bad should have happened to you but i do think that we are we have somewhere in us the the skill set or the emotional capacity to process it because that's why it happened to us Mm -hmm. um and i would never say that you know loss of a person or things like that like an illness struck in on you like i'm not saying that that's how you make sense of those things but i will say that like there there's a purpose for everything and i fully believe that and i i'll never understand it it's a great picture of life but i do think firmly that you know confidence is being okay with the fact of what happens to you happens and accepting it rather than being upset with it absolutely And to tie everything that you just said and everything together, um, which you kind of just like segued into the final segment very perfectly, as usual, this question actually came from you. Like, and now I ask it, this is the last question on every single podcast that I do now. Oh, work. I love that. So, um... I don't remember the questions, so now I'm excited. Told y'all, I say a lot of things, but I forget what I say. I speak from my heart, not my mind all the time, so I sometimes forget what I say. (laughs) Well, no, this one is great. Um, when you are feeling not so confident, down or sad or unmotivated... What is the one thing that you do to pick yourself back up? Oh, I like this question. It was your Um, question. (laughs) It's a great question. Glad you asked. Glad I asked you to ask me. Um, I think that your community is one of the most powerful things in your life. You know, I think that it's a good seed will not flourish in bad soil. So you need to be hyper aware of the community that you build around you, whether it be your family, your chosen family, your friends, whoever it is. Um, When I feel down and when I feel... Um, bad or upset my go-to quality is to self-isolate like that's just what I do I I will I don't like people seeing me upset so my reactive nature is to isolate but what I choose to do whenever I do feel sad or lonely or whatever is I think of what one person could I call right now and reach out to and who is that person that's gonna be and you know, I have to just be transparent with them and say, like, I really just don't feel good today. I'm, like, really depressed or I'm super anxious about this. I say it out loud so it stops running through my head. I write it down to where that way I know what it is that's making me feel conflicted, and I talk to somebody about it. Ideally, I'm going to meet up with them in person because, again, I come from a large family, so I was always had that connection with a person somewhere in my family I can just go talk to real quick. So I always will say, so I don't self-isolate. I try not to do it on a phone call so that way I'm not at home alone talking to them. I try going physically somewhere where I can talk to somebody but you know meeting up with my friends just going to at their house I'm very lucky that we could be in the same room together and not talk and even for me that's just so good for my well-being so connecting to my community connecting to my family connecting to my chosen family that's what I do for myself um, to make myself happy um, and then the other thing I do which is weird is I also clean I like I'm a, I have to clean I stress clean angry clean on sad clean like I love cleaning because it's something that I know I enjoy so I do it for myself to make myself happy Mm -hmm. that is so funny because I like when I'm upset well in general like I like a clean and tidy place and I'll do it if I have like because I have to do it but when I'm upset that is my outlet is cleaning I get it I think it's just the act of just knowing that things were in disarray and you got them back into organ like into like an organized like clean thing so like whatever I'm upset about I I think the physical act of making something look better makes me emotionally process that I can also get better I love that could be I mean I also just kind of made that up but that's how I feel that's speaking out loud in my head for the first time 
<laughs> no, but it, it, like, it totally makes sense, though. Because, again, it's like, it was discombobulated. Is that a word? Yeah. Discombobulated. And now I just, like, put things back in order, meaning I could, like, put my life back in order and, like, move forward. And like you just said, it's like, you know, you have this bag of, like, the universe and they all have their problems. And it's just, like, you put it into perspective as, like, is what I'm upset about or what I'm feeling down about is it really like not that it's not valid because you're allowed to feel how you want to feel but it really like again helps you put things in perspective and it really helps you clean up your life I love that well I don't want the question to end on me so I'm going to ask a question now before we end this so in fact we're ending Teresa's uh, podcast with a question about Teresa so Teresa your question that I have for you that I've just now made up is what is one celebrity that you just personally identify with? Like you just, you, everything about them or something about them, you just like, they encapsulate what you love most about either yourself or like a, that. Yeah, that is a very good question. And I'm going to say Hillary Duff. Oh, love that answer. Why not? Take <laughs> she, a crazy chance. She's like, she's been my role model, still is one of my role models. I think she's just very... um very sweet, very kind, and, like, I don't know her personally, but right. this is how she comes off. And very hardworking. Like, she worked, like, since she was, like, seven years old, I guess. Yeah. Probably younger. But I admired that about her, and she still sings. Yeah. My favorite meme is that one meme where it's, like, it's in the Lizzie McGuire movie when she's in Italy, and she has to sing as herself, but also as the, uh, she's she plays both roles, herself, mm-hmm. and she plays this Italian famous singer and it's like never forget the one time that hillary duff had to come on and give hillary duff the confidence to sing as hillary duff and i was like wait that's so real but i think it's funny though i think that's why we kind of like idol i think the idea of idolizing a celebrity is interesting because i feel like maybe just me personally but i feel like we see something ourselves of ourselves in them that we admire because maybe it's that we either see it that we do it or that we want to be like that Mm -hmm. and so i think it's be hyper aware of why you like your celebrities or why you like are drawn to certain people because there's something in there that you want to mirror in yourself and like go for that i like it so if hillary duff why not why did she not give up on herself why not take a crazy chance why not do a crazy dance i love it and i think that we should end this maybe with a crazy dance even though we're on a podcast and then i'm gonna just like play that song at the end of this instead of my outro 100 percent. thank you everyone for listening to tea time with tea josh thank you so much for doing this podcast with me it was so fun of course thank you for having me love this long time listener first time interviewer amazing everyone thank you so much for listening and i'll check you guys in the next one bye ciao for now